There are 68 delegates up for grabs during Missouri's Democratic presidential primary, and who snags the most of them will depend on a multitude of factors, including which of the seven major candidates are still in the race after Super Tuesday. To break down this complicated scramble, St. Louis Public Radio's Joe Manis joins me on the latest episode of Politically Speaking to look at the key questions going into the March 10th presidential showdown. Let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, the definitive show about Missouri politics. It's a little complicated in Bolivar because there is a Parsons family there. But we also knew that it was important to make sure that that we got to where we needed to go. You know if you walk in a room and you're getting ready to make a decision and everybody in the room looks like you, you need to stop. And right now what happens in the United States Senate is as critical as anywhere else in the country. I really want the state to succeed. We want everybody to uh, know that we're all working together. I just worked hard to try to build my name where I didn't have the money. And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, St. Louis Public Radio political correspondent Jason Rosenbaum. Joining me in studio today is... Semi-retired Joe Manis. We were getting the gang back together, <laughs> yeah, so to speak. Yeah, political writer, whatever, for St. Louis Public Radio. Cat and, enthusiast? Well, somewhat, but <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just, I'm gradually getting back into things. It's just uh, had a busy, busy, busy life, and I'm right now in the middle of cataract surgery, so one eye is great, and the other eye is kind of odd. <laughs> Well, Joe, it's great to have you back to talk about one singular topic on the Friday Roundup Edition, and that is Missouri's Democratic presidential primary, which will take place on March 10th. Uh, it's going to be taking place after Super Tuesday, Correct. which is on March 3rd. And before we get into the individual questions that may impact the result, I, w- I want you, Joe, to explain how the primary actually works. Okay. And for, and for people who want all the details, I did a story about a month ago that is on our website, stlpublicradio.org. I didn't do a radio version because, frankly, I was in the middle of uh, bronchitis, and so I sounded like uh, uh, Brando in, in The Godfather, so I was told that wasn't going to work. What well, You're giving <laughs> way more information to our <laughs> listeners than they need to know, no, but, but continue. Yeah, I'm just trying to give them a little laugh. Okay, so here's what you need to know. Missouri's is March 10th. Uh, by the way, um, Illinois is March 17th, a week later. Um, 68 of Missouri's 78 Democratic delegates will be uh, awarded depending on who gets the most votes. Unless somebody gets 100% of the votes, different candidates will get a certain share of the delegates. Now, the Republican side, because President Donald Trump doesn't really have any major um, opponents, he does have some in the Missouri ballot, uh, turnout is expected on that side to not be that great. Where Missouri could be a factor is that Super Tuesday is March 3rd when a lot of big states, including California and a bunch of other states, will be holding their primaries. So, But it's expected that none of the ca- remaining Democratic candidates will get a majority by then. So Missouri and Ohio, which also has theirs on March 10th, could end up being the uh, determining factor in helping to award the final group of delegates, I mean, final big block of delegates that some of these Democrats will need. Well, that gets us into the first of many questions that I have on this podcast, and that is, 
who will actually still be in the Democratic race on March 10th. Right now, there are seven major candidates, Michael Bloomberg, Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg, Bernie Sanders, Amy Klobuchar, and Tom Steyer. And it's not out of the question that by March 10th, if one or more of those candidates completely fail to get a significant amount of delegates in the Super Tuesday states or South Carolina, they may not they may be on the Missouri ballot, but they will no longer be actively campaigning. How do you think that kind of affects the ability to predict who is actually going to come out on top? Okay, South Carolina's primary is Saturday. And I think that's going to be crucial. If Joe Biden does not win, um, I expect he may drop out, even though he's got more uh, momentum than some of the other Democrats. I may think that he sees the writing on the wall because, see, here's the issue. you got Bernie Sanders, who's getting maybe between 30 and 25 percent of the vote, depending on the polls and depending on the state. All the rest of them are divided among all these moderates. Until some of them drop out, um, they're they're basically paving the way for him to amass and a lead that they'll never be able to catch up to. So some of these uh, moderates will need to drop out before Super Tuesday. If they wait until after Super Tuesday, when all those states have their things, the problem is is while bunch of them won't get enough uh, percentages to either get delegates or to win. They're going to allow Sanders to get the largest block of delegates. So then by the time Missouri happens, he will have a lead that will be difficult for anybody else to um, surpass. And who would actually drop out at this point? We're recording this on Wednesday, February 26th. It's really difficult to tell. Like if Joe Biden wins in South Carolina, he'll stay. He'll, he'll stay. If he doesn't, I, I agree with you. I think he's probably out of the race. And someone like Buttigieg probably raises in stature considerably. And then conversely, if Biden wins and then wins a lot of states on Super Tuesday and Buttigieg and Klobuchar completely flail out, they may not be in the race by March 10th. Similar, Similarly with Elizabeth Warren, too, though, I tend to think that she may stay in regardless, because if she doesn't want Sanders to become the nominee, she pretty much has to stay in the race, because if she gets out, I think it's pretty much over at that point. Yeah, b- because she splits the progressive wing with Sanders. The rest of the, re- the, the rest of the others are splitting the moderates. Now, I think there's two of the wild cards are the billionaires. Right. And that's actually my next question. Yeah. Steyer, Steyer um, who has been spending a lot of money in South Carolina, if he gets a decent block of the votes in South Carolina, even if he doesn't win, uh, based on his personality and what I've seen during the debates, I don't think he's going to be willing to drop out. So because he can spend as much money as he wants on the Super Tuesday states. But but the bigger person that we have to question is right. is Michael Bloomberg. And my my next question is, how is Bloomberg's money affecting the contest in Missouri? And I would say the answer is it has to be affecting it somewhat. The last um, calculation that I got, which is about a month ago, was about a four point three million in the state. Um, I was talking to a consultant just a f- last night and uh, the estimates are much higher So, since then, those weeks, because he's heightened his spending. So I would guess at least between five and six in the state. And this is a state, again, 
that most analysts believe will go for Trump in the fall. Bloomberg is spending that money only to get delegates. I definitely think it's making an impact because when you run ads so many times as much as Bloomberg has, it, it breaks through to what I classify as like low information voters. Yes, which, who aren't watching the who, debates. Who are not watching the debates and who are maybe not super invested in politics as we are. On the other hand, Bloomberg seems to be a, a very divisive figure amongst Missouri Democrats. There are some people that have endorsed him, like former Governor Jay Nixon. But there's a lot of people who are associated with other campaigns who really, really dislike him for various reasons. Part of it because he's spending so much money. Uh, Sam Donaldson, the former ABC News anchor who has become a Bloomberg surrogate, actually addressed that particular point about Bloomberg spending so much money in a stop in St. Louis earlier this week. Here's Sam Donaldson. People say, well, yes, right. Bloomberg's buying the election. Mm, money is buying the election. Whose money is what's at stake? Mike's putting his own in it. And if he's elected president, he doesn't owe anybody anything. Mr. Trump has the PACs out there. Sheldon Adelson, Steve Wynn, the great moguls from Las Vegas, and many other very rich people have put their money in those PACs. So here's a pot of money and here's a pot of money. You've got some Democrats who, while they would prefer one of the other candidates, <clears throat> believe that they're not going to be able to defeat Trump. People who hate money in the system, the question becomes, do you want your candidates to be pure <clears throat> and probably lose? Or do you... <laughs> figure, okay, we'll get the money anywhere we can, and once we get our person in, then hopefully we can change the laws. I'm not advocating that. I'm saying that's how some Democrats are thinking. But I think Bloomberg, because of his poor debate performances, he is reasonably self-aware, I think. I met him a few times years ago when he was in St. Louis for different things. He may then decide to drop out but continue spending his money, as he has said, um, so in that case, I think then he could help whoever does win, unless it's Sanders, because Sanders says he doesn't want the money. So my point is, I think Bloomberg does become a wild card, but basically he becomes someone who could prevent a moderate from getting the nomination if he doesn't get enough on his own, which he probably won't. And so he's banking on some sort of brokered convention this summer and I think that will even weaken the Democrats um, even further. Let's move on to another question that I have, and that is how will rural Missouri counties vote? Now, some people who listen to the show may be like, who cares how rural Missouri votes? Democrats have collapsed there. You know, they're not much of a factor. But the truth of the matter is rural Missouri is still a pretty large voting block, even at its diminished state for Democrats. And someone like Bernie Sanders in 2016 was able to almost win the state because he won most of the state's rural counties. And one of the people in the race now who seems to be making a play for rural counties across the country is Pete Buttigieg, who was the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. I had a chance to talk with one of his surrogates, Reggie Love, who used to work for President Barack Obama. And this is what Love had to say about Buttigieg's prospects in rural Missouri. I don't think anyone else it uh, is talking about um, rural America and, and solutions for rural America the way uh, Mayor Pete has. Um, but I would say that as a whole, um, 
I think you we if we want to if we want to if Democrats want to win in 2016, uh, they're going to have to have a very broad uh, base of voters. They're going to have moderates. They're going to have to have people who have not voted in the past. We're going to have to have uh, what my favorite phrase is. Uh, future former Republicans to show up and and vote Democratic. Joe, you are St. Louis Public Radio's resident Hoosier because (laughs) you were born and raised in Indiana. Yes. Do you think someone like Buttigieg could do reasonably well in outstate Missouri? I will be surprised. It'll depend on 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 turnout. Uh, If it's a low turnout from rural Missouri, which I predict, uh, if for the primary, not for the general. We're talking about March 10th. Then then it becomes which candidates their loyalists get out. I think that, um, unfortunately, rural Missouri is very socially conservative. I think the fact that he is gay and acknowledges it probably uh, will hurt him. Um, although he is a veteran, a military veteran, that may help. But I think that will hurt him somewhat. But it, I, it didn't hurt him in Iowa or New Hampshire rural counties, though. Well, I, I know, but that's not Missouri. I mean, I'm just saying, I personally think that, that Bernie Sanders actually may do better in rural Missouri among the Democrats because he's talking about health care. And rural Missouri has been hammered by all these rural hospitals closing. And so many people who are desperate for some sort of health care services may see Sanders or Bloomberg, because Bloomberg's running all those health care ads down in rural Missouri, as their only hope to get um, health care services restored. I think that's going to be a bigger factor among rural voters, well, rural Democrats anyway. Well, well, let's shift to Senator Sanders, because as I mentioned before, Sanders almost won the primary Correct. in 2016. And for all intents and purposes, like, I believe it, he, he got just as many delegates in 2016 as Hillary Clinton did. Maybe Clinton got one more delegate. Yes. So it stands to reason that now that he is the national frontrunner, he probably has a lot more money than he did in 2016. And he has a lot of enthusiastic supporters in Missouri who think like, yeah, it's not ju- he's not just it's not just a pipe dream anymore. He could actually win the nomination that he may actually be the, the soft favorite going into this primary. I'm going to play a clip now from Cori Bush. She's running against Congressman Lacey Clay in 2020, and she has been a supporter of Bernie Sanders for a while. And this is what she had to say about the enthusiasm for the Vermont senator in the show me state people that weren't supporting before are supporting him now even people that we were we thought was going to support another candidate simply because of who they who they you know were were with before um those people are saying that they're supporting senator sanders so joe do you think that missouri will feel the burn on march 10th it's possible however uh, this is i hinge all this on on some of these other candidates running ads in the state Sanders isn't running any ads now. And so far, he hasn't like had any uh, rallies or any events in Missouri. Now, of course, we're 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 not at March 10th yet. No, and He's n- got... n- none of the other candidates are either, though. Well, except, OK, Bloomberg um, is running all these ads. He's got all these offices. He's got all these pay- paid people to help with his campaign in a vacuum where the other Democratic candidates, including Sanders, aren't doing anything in the state, that could give Bloomberg an edge in the state. If uh, Sanders decides even to hold, let's say, one rally or something in Missouri, that could change. 
But right now, because he and others are so focused on the Super Tuesday states and California in particular, that I think Missouri is going to be somewhat of an afterthought. What I'm believing is that it'll be right after Super Tuesday, there'll be a week. And we may see a little blitz from these Democrats um, who come here and come to Ohio in, in, in hopes of, ch- of changing things. But if Bloomberg has run, let's say, $10 million in ads by then, he actually could make a dent whether he's still in the race or not. Now, granted, I only have a paltry 14 years of professional experience in Missouri politics, but I am old enough to remember other campaigns that barely spent any money or spent any time getting prominent endorsements here, winning pretty decisively. 2008, John McCain had maybe three major endorsements, and he beat both Mitt Romney and Mike Huckabee in Missouri. And yeah, but they didn't do as much either. Oh, they did quite a bit. Well, and Huckabee they, did only in only in the southwest part of the state. They, they did. They they both of those campaigns made quite an effort to make an institutional stamp on the state and failed pretty miserably. And obviously, in 2016, Donald Trump had like Phyllis Schlafly and Ed Martin as their most prominent. Endorses, and he won the the state over Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, and John Kasich. Yeah, but he had a couple key rallies. Once one that that you covered, which was crazy. And my point being is that you know someone like 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 Trump, and potentially Sanders. Even just a rally that gets people all whipped up. That's what I'm trying to can say. Can make the difference. But what I'm saying is, is that at that in in those cases that you mentioned, there wasn't somebody else. Flooding the airwaves with ads that kind of muddy the water, so to speak. We'll be back right after this message with more of our fast and furious breakdown of Missouri's 2020 Democratic primary. And we're back on Politically Speaking, where Joe Manis and I are talking about Missouri's wild and wacky Democratic primary. I want to talk about a subject that both of us seem to harp on whenever we talk about Missouri elections. And that is how the suburbs will go. And I want to be more specific on this point. What I'm looking for is how majority white suburbs are going to vote. So I'm looking at places like parts of St. Louis County, St. Charles County, Jefferson County, Buchanan County, parts of Jackson County. What will those suburban white voters do on March 10th? Will they go with somebody like Bernie Sanders or will they gravitate towards someone like Bloomberg, Biden, Buttigieg? Or Elizabeth Warren. One is going to be what the unions do. Most of the nationals have endorsed Biden, but they haven't been like out there uh, going door to door yet. Do they play a role in the St. Louis area, even including Jefferson County and St. Charles, where there's a lot of union retirees? Do they start whipping people up in that last week before the primary? Or do they just sit back? Um, if they sit back, then I think it becomes the the progressive fight between Warren and Sanders. But if the, if if labor gets in, if because Missouri does not require people to register by party, if let's say a number of Republicans, let's say in the second district, which mm-hmm. is the suburban, mm-hmm. let's say a number of Republicans in the second district, since there's no a contest on the um, Republican side, decide to take a Democratic ballot. Let's say they vote for Sanders because they think he'd be a weaker opponent to Trump. Or if they're anti-Trumpers within the uh, Republican Party, do they then like 
go for, let's say, Biden or Buttigieg uh, or even Klobuchar if she's still in the race, that could split up the the moderate thing. I think there's some of this is going to hinge, like you and I just said, who's still in the race. But I think some of it's going to hinge on how many people who are independents or Republicans, moderate Republicans, take a Democratic ballot in Missouri because they want to have a voice for good or bad in the uh, Democratic contest. In fact, Eric Fay, who's the Democratic uh, elections director in St. Louis County, had mentioned that to me um, weeks ago, saying that that was going to be a wild card, he thought, was how many Republicans actually crossed over. Let's move on to, I think, the number one question that I have about how the Missouri Democratic primary shakes out, and that is, who will African-American voters pick? I think this is by far the most crucial and unanswered question about this primary, because if I'm not mistaken, Joe, aren't black voters in Missouri the biggest like base of support for the Missouri Democratic Party now, or at least one of them? Well, as far as the block, they're about a quarter of the Democratic vote in the state. Right. So, um, and depending on turnout, I mean, some of it, it's not just the percentage, it's how many people. I mean, one of the reasons Trump did so well in Missouri in 2016 wasn't just that he got all these rural voters, but that um, urban turnout was not, I mean, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't as high as it had been, let's say, in 2008. Um, The suburban vote was fairly decent in 2016, but not nearly enough to um, overcome that huge rural rave. This time, I think... um, Many African-American voters or would-be voters, A, they want Trump out for various reasons, uh, but B, they're a little, um, I think, um, not that energized about who's left. One of the prominent African-American political leaders in the state, uh, Congressman Lacey Clay, is not endorsing anybody. He had endorsed Senator Kamala Harris, but she dropped out. Uh, uh, Congressman Emanuel Cleaver of Kansas City is supporting Biden. But this is what Clay had to say about kind of the impact of the African-American vote and kind of his impact on the Democratic presidential race, especially if it goes to a brokered convention. Today, African-American voters are just like all other voters trying to make a decision about who they want to support, who they, I mean, I'm, I'm still trying to make a decision about who I want to support. But President, I haven't reached a decision, uh, and, and I think that over the next um, couple of weeks before we get to March 10th here in Missouri, I will have to formulate uh, an opinion about these, these candidates and, and pick the one that I think can best take on President Trump. Now, I personally think, and I've thought this for a while, that uh, especially seeing who's left in the Democratic field um, is that whoever gets the nomination uh, for president on the Democratic side, I think they will have to have an African-American as their um, vice presidential running mate. Uh, I personally think it probably will, if it's a man who gets the top, that I think that's going to have to be somebody like Kamala Harris or Stacey Abrams. Maybe they could get by with Cory Brooker. Um, but I, I think that you're that's going to be a big factor in the 
I think, in the minds of many um, African-American officials as they look at this field, as things winnow down in the next couple of weeks, it's not just who's at the top of the ticket, but who they think that person will pick as the number two person. And if they think that the person, uh, that the potential nominee is aware enough or, or thinking enough about the importance of having a diverse uh, ticket and an African-American as the VP. I want to ask how this intense scramble for the Democratic presidential nomination is going to affect Missouri's governor's race between Governor Mike Parson and State Auditor Nicole Galloway. Now, Joe, you kind of mentioned this on the onset. None of these candidates are going to win Missouri in November. The question is, how much are they going to lose by? If they lose by, I would say, between 5 and 10 percentage points, I think Galloway has a chance to win. Because that means that Democrats are probably turning out higher than they did in 2016. And there, there's other examples of Democrats winning under those uh, circumstances, like Mitt Romney won by nine, and most Democrats won in 2012, for example. Whoever's at the top of the ticket uh, running for president, they don't necessarily help the Dem- This is my view. They don't necessarily help the statewide field. But they can hurt it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so um, let's say in, uh, in 2008, um, that was an unusual case uh, because you had Barack Obama at the top of the ticket. If you recall, uh, Jay Nixon was running for governor. He was the favorite. While Nixon, I think, somewhat supported Obama, it wasn't like he did a lot of campaigning with him. And I think that, they, that part of it was because we had a strong Democratic uh, ticket uh, for statewide office all, all the way down. So many of them were running independently. But there were two other things going on. Number one, Obama's campaign pumped a ton of money and organization Correct. into trying to win Missouri. Correct. Number two, the standing of Republicans in 2008 was so low after President Bush's disastrous second term and also that fact that the economy was crashing yes. and the Republicans nominated someone like John McCain, who was a foreign policy expert, but was had very little expertise on the economy, like those undercurrents were very strong, even in a place like Missouri. Well, that's where what you just mentioned illustrates the unknown factors. Right now, as we're talking, a lot of people in Washington and around the world are wringing their hands over the coronavirus. Does that somehow between now I don't know if it'll affect things by March 10th, but it could affect things over the course of the summer and it could change. It could change all of our speculation and how we view things. Sometimes it's these unknown factors Mm -hmm. uh, that really change things. Now, in 2012, for example, Romney did well in the state, but because the Democrats had a strong statewide ticket. And if you remember, it was the Claire McCaskill, Todd Akin, uh, you know, the whole controversy over his comments about rape that sort of changed things. And I personally think that McCaskill's strong victory in the, in the, in the race that year against Aiken helped a couple of the down-ballot statewide Democrats that year. In 2016, you didn't have any of that, and the Republicans really swept things. And I think right now, Galloway, whether she's strong or not, the fact is that there aren't that many strong Democratic candidates looking at statewide office right now. My opinion may change over the next few weeks, but I think right now 
she's got uh, a lot of challenges. We will see what happens, Joe. And it's basically a big moving changing machine at this point. But we wanted to give our listeners kind of an early preview of what's going to happen for all of our stories on the presidential primary and every other thing Missouri politics. Go to stlpublicradio.org. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. How can people follow you on Twitter or any other parts of the World Wide Web? Okay, it's Jay Manis. That's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. We'll be back next time. Until then, so long. Vrei să plec.